I'm going to take this next session to talk about partnering with the Translocal. Uh, I've been about 40 years saved. Um, my name is Marcus Herbert. I pastor uh, Cornerstone Church in Bedford View in, in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, we're a church that has been going for over 37 years this past week. Uh, we celebrated the 20 years of leading the eldership team. And uh, prior to that, we pastored a church, planted a church in the inner city area of Johannesburg. And during that time, we began partnering uh, with NCMI, developed a relationship with Dudley and Leon and many others on the translocal team. And it's uh, been, for me, one of the most incredible uh, privileges to develop these partnership relationships and kind of see through every season of our lives uh, there's been uh, a connection that has enabled us to always reach for what God has for us and to help us over the bumps in the road. Uh, it's been good um, to see how through this partnership, this local church has you know, flourished and, and become a, a kind of fruitful base and serves the purposes of God into the, the nations. And so I want to kind of under apostolic partnership, I want to talk about three things. It's a biblical picture of local church. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about is the apostolic purpose of the church. And then I want to talk about apostolic partnering. Uh, many of these, as we group in them together now, don't often find themselves um, in a kind of manual on the church, ecclesia, um, kind of there's more of a static understanding and sometimes uh, more of a cerebral approach to our understanding of church. But what I want to do and kind of, for me, I feel that's the premise of Scripture, is kind of handle this in the topic of the apostolic. There's an apostolic mandate. There's an apostolic identity that God has for us. Uh, as Christians and the local church. But it all begins for me with Matthew 16, verse 18, where Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, it's a powerful statement. And what we don't realize is today, Jesus is still busy with building his church to be an overcoming church. And it amazes me, and I've seen it in my life, and I've had to kind of work through that, repent and kind of get back onto the same page as Jesus, how often we do our own thing. We pick up some good ideas and some guy has a brainwave and we kind of have good business models that uh, seem to kind of work in the business field and we try and adopt them into the church. You know, and all of this we, we kind of grab hold of and for a short season it seems wonderfully productive, but in the end it, it doesn't last. And the big question for me and for you are planting or transitioning a church is, are you going to build the church that Jesus is building? You see, if he says he's building his church, I actually want to build that church because that's the church that's an overcoming church. And that church is built on a revelation of who he is, the Christ, the anointed one. That church is, is all about Jesus and it's all about the message that he came to proclaim, bringing in a kingdom and establishing it with this gospel message. And so 
we see a historical record of Jesus building His church in the book of Acts. Um, you know, the book of Acts should be called the, the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's really the Holy Spirit working through the believers and taking the gospel from something contained in a language, in a culture, in a religious system, and seeing it break out and reach the ends of the earth. And in that, as we read through the book of Acts, we have a wonderful revelation of what local church should look like and the local church's purpose, apostolic purpose. And so, for me, if we want to ensure that we're building the church Jesus is building, we stick as close as possible to the Scriptures, careful not to add or subtract from the truth of God's Word. The temptation's always there. Um, you know, um, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon says, you know, if you win people to the Lord with a carnival, you try and get them into church that way, you're going to have to put on a carnival every single weekend to keep them. And so I want to build the church Jesus is building, that overcoming church built on a revelation of who He is, and that church will be fruitful through the ages. And so let's have a, a kind of look at Ephesians chapter 2, if you wouldn't mind turning your Bibles to Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together. There we have the church built on a revelation of Christ and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. You know, we often, we cry out for the anointing uh, as, a, as if the anointing is some arbitrary thing that just on certain occasions God kind of pours out. No, let's build the church the way He has given us instruction with Christ as the foundation and then built also on the apostles and prophets or the apostolic and the prophetic. And, and this church is a temple in which He lives by the power of His Holy Spirit. You want to see the Spirit of God in your church? Then build it His way. He has a, a key indication of how we do it. So under the headship of Christ, the foundation of Christ, every believer in every church has our purpose and has our, our, our kind of meaning and, and, and we, that's where we are established. And so we built on the foundation of apostles. We're built on the foundation of prophets. Prophets, prophets are all about kind of pointing people to Christ. Uh, apostles are all about pointing Christ to the world. And so all our churches and all our lives as believers is, is built on those two premises. It's the apostolic prophetic ministry. And so every church, every believer needs to, we need to build our lives that way. I think too often uh, in our understanding of church, it's, it's kind of some kind of product. It's some kind of life betterment program, uh, something we add to ourselves and not give ourselves to holy. Um, so I encourage us with that. Next thing is, let's have a look at the makeup of a local church from Scripture. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Here we have um, Paul writing to the church that was kind of planted through him being persecuted. Uh, Paul and Silas had kind of got to that uh, city, um, and in, in Philippi, 
he'd eventually found himself in jail with his back bleeding in this kind of inner part of jail with him and Silas. They start to worship. Uh, and through that, there's this wonderful miracle. The jailer gets saved and a church is planted. So um, there you have church planting 101. Through persecution, God can plant churches. But here we have the record of him writing to this church. And in verse 1, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi <clears throat> with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The one thing you, you cannot kind of misunderstand in that passage, the way local churches fitted together is relationship. Paul writes with warmth, he writes with empathy, and he writes with godly purpose about praying for them, caring for them, you know, just loving them. And the fact that their partnership, the way God puts church together, and the way God puts churches together with, uh, with translocal team, it's partnership in the gospel. You see, we don't develop a partnership with a translocal team for the sake of benefits, or for the sake of, I want your manuals, uh, or for the sake of exposure. Uh, or I can get some of those big speakers in. Uh, or Translocal Team does this with local church to extract finance out of them. No, it's all about our partnership in the gospel. I'm part of a local church because of my partnership in the gospel. And partnership is a relational word. It's all about relationship, but with the purpose of the gospel built into it. And notice it's partnership in the gospel. we all about seeing this gospel made clear, we preach it, we disciple with it, and we go out empowered by the same gospel. But um, if you look at that passage, uh, it's interesting. There are four nouns that describe the types of people in a local church or the local church would partner with. The first one is servants. Uh, Paul and Timothy, who represent translocal gifts, Ephesians 4, 11 gifts, you know, Timothy sounds like a teacher pastor. Paul, he kind of tells us that he's an evangelist, he's a teacher, uh, he's an apostle. You know, God has called him. So this translocal team writes to this local church that they partner with, and the way they introduce themselves is servants. For me, that's incredibly refreshing. Paul doesn't say Apostle Paul and, you know, kind of Apostle Timothy, you know, and and. So through this hierarchical introduction, try and establish their authority. No, their authority is established through the gifts that are on their lives. And they introduce themselves as Christ introduced himself to local, uh, 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 when he came, is uh, he came to serve and not be served. And so the heart of translocal ministry and the way in which they come alongside and partner with local church is there's a servant-hearted attitude. We want to serve God's purpose. We want to serve the church. And we want to see it come into the right kind of relationship. So there, in a couple, one verse, we have every church should partner with a translocal team. Then he talks about the local church. Talks about it as saints, overseers, and deacons. Very interesting. And it's a good indication to us of the way in which God sees church. Saints 
It comes first, is the highest order of life in a local church. It's all about the priesthood, seeing the priesthood uh, set free, seeing the priesthood fulfilling the function that God has called them to. The most important aspect of any church are the believers. It's not the leaders, it's not the deacons, it's not the translocal team. Every single person has got a, a place and a function in the body of Christ. And I tell you, one of the messages today uh, that is important uh, and it kind of needs to come back into our reckoning when we establish local church. Uh, you aren't going to plant a church to get a, a fan group and a fan base together and preach your sermons at them and try out a few things. Now we have the wonderful privilege of working with those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the wonderful privilege of, of showing them who they are in Christ, of leading them and discipling them into everything that Christ has for them. And then out of that, we'll find that some are anointed to be leaders, called by God to be overseers or deacons. Overseers are the elders, pastors of the local church, um, three functions, same person, and deacons who come alongside them so that together as a leadership team, uh, they can represent the leadership ministry into that local church uh, to serve and to lead that church into the pastures that it needs to get into, prophetic seasons that it's going to go through. And so we have a, a wonderful one-verse summary of a local church. Local churches work with translocal team in partnership, and local church is fitted together with with for me, accountable relationships. You know, in the kind of climate we live in today, there's a, 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 an incredible rebellion against authority. And, uh, you know, often we can just flatten that line and say, well, you know, we all are equal in God. Yes, we all are, but we have different functions. And part of, uh, uh, of leadership's function is to bring in the authority of God to represent His leadership. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, Submit to your leaders. Uh, submit to them because they watch over you. They will give an account for their leadership. And so as much as we don't believe in overbearing leadership, suppressive leadership, controlling leadership, manipulating leadership, we do believe in biblical leadership as you see it in Scripture. So I encourage us with that uh, to realize that there's a very particular way in which Jesus is building his church. And it's interesting that partnership in the gospel, that partnership with translocal team comes from that Greek word kinonia. And it's, it's really a commercial word that means we have a relationship for the sake of this business partnership. And so our relationship is a covenantal one based on the gospel and the furtherance of the gospel, the apostolic ministry of this gospel. And that's how we fit together. And so um, it is important right at the beginning that you start this church the way you want to see it end. Um, you know, don't think, you know, down the road I'll try and pull in leadership or I'll, you know, develop this relationship with a translocal team. I'm encouraging you right from the start, when you plant that church, plant it with this translocal team. Uh, get some relationships, develop those relationships. Chat to some of us, we'll help you with that. So now, let's look at translocal team. Moving through this quickly, I'm covering stuff in one session that could take a few sessions, but the notes are there and you can go through it at a slower pace. I want to make sure that we read the scriptures and we allow the scriptures to influence and kind of help us identify 
how churches fit it together. And so we want to look at the translocal team and the ministry gifts in particular from Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all maintain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up into every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This scripture passage should not be read once. If you want to lead a church, or you are interested in how the church of God is put together, we should constantly go through this. There are so many elements that are so important that Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, emphasizes here. And to understand it all, we see this wonderful picture of Christ being represented. Every aspect of this church is Christocentric. Every function of this church is representing the heart and ministry of Jesus Christ. His purpose has been worked out. And every part is important. And so it is with these amazing gifts that he gives. He gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Uh, and if you understand it, uh, there's a unity that we are called to. And so Ecclesia are the called out ones. We're not called out to be islands or to be lone rangers, to be those all on our own mission going in every direction. No, from the, the passage in Philippians, we understand that God puts local church together uh, very carefully with uh, authority built into it and purpose and function. And He wants to bring it to maturity. And we have the wonderful privilege uh, as leaders to understand this picture. We see it in Scripture. And we've constantly begot it, uh, need to be moving in the direction of Scripture. Scripture has it. And, and so this unity, I want this unity in the Spirit. Uh, I want this unity in the faith. And, and so there's a oneness and a unity to which we are called. And in the middle of all of that, these five 
uh, ascension gifts or translocal gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are given to make this possible. Uh, so they're different. And, and um, we need all five of those in our local church. Um, we will find aspects of that in our local church, but he gives us gifts that we can invite into our church so that these areas can be covered. Otherwise, we become very lopsided, very one-sided. Um, you know, and so we're going to be shown where our blind spots are. Uh, we're going to be... Um, now, we're going to have the privilege of foundations being set and worked on. We're going to have the privilege of um, being exposed to the bigness of what God has for us. Uh, and the net result of this all, we're going to be able to represent the heart of Christ that much better. Then in Ephesians, I mean in Acts chapter 14, uh, we're still looking at this team, this translocal team. We've looked at a kind of picture of local church. We get the understanding of it. Um, we can see God is very purposeful in putting it together. But translocal team and ministry, very specific in Scripture. Acts 14 gives us an example. Now, just prior to that, this uh, Antioch church was praying and worshiping God, fasting, and then he says, separate for me Paul and Barnabas, and they go to Galatia for about 18 months, the commentators say. They go and minister. All the way from city to city, there's all kinds of persecution and criticism, but miracles and churches are established, people are born again, and so on. And then they return. And as they return, we read what happens in Acts chapter 14, verse 21. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. So Ephesians 4, we looked at translocal team. Okay, here we look at translocal ministry. They preached the good news. Do you get it? We have one message, the good news of the kingdom. We're preaching about Christ, crucified Christ, buried, and Christ resurrected from the dead. That is our message. And wherever we go, that's our message and everything that fits around that. And so they preached the good news in that city. And you too, as a church planter, have got a burden on your heart because you know Christ needs to be preached to that city and that village and that country. And it says they won a large number of disciples. So it's not just about converts. It's about working with these converts and, and growing them up, like it said in the Ephesians 4 passage of Scripture, until they become disciples. Then they return to Lystra. Translocal ministry is about returning. Guest speakers come once and we never see them again. Through partnership, these ministries come back. We invite them back. They come back. And they return to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples. See what the job is? Strengthening, maturing, and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Here's something that you don't kind of hear in many church growth manuals. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That's probably the most sane teaching you're ever going to get on the teaching uh, on the kingdom of God. If we want to get into the characteristics and the values of this kingdom, there's going to be a battle. And it's the world and my evil heart against God's word. And the battle needs to be won so that the kingdom of God may be established. And as you go as a lamp planted in a dark place, um, that's going to be the battle through through the prayer and through the preaching of the word and through the establishing of these truths, uh, you are going to see through hardship, 
the kingdom of God is going to be established. That's why. Make sure you're called of God. Don't go and plant a church if you're not called of God. Make sure that you're both on the same page uh, together, you and your wife. And, you know, realize that God gives you the gifts and the anointing and the grace to go and do it and ensure that this is the right timing. Speak to those you're accountable to right now. They will confirm whether that's so or not. Then it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. Translocal ministry is governmental and it helps appoint elders. Uh, very important. In each church, with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, notice, preached the gospel, preached the word. See, it's not about kind of their favorite thing. You know, let's come to the church and, you know, entertain the crowd. No, this is serious business. It's about seeing the kingdom established. They went down to Italia, and from Italia they sailed back to Antioch. So translocal ministry is, is established in local church. It's sent from local church and returns to local church. So if you ever want to have a, a, a gift, a translocal gift in your church, are you in based in a local church is a question you should ask. You know, and too often I think we wooed by the rock star preachers who kind of just live on the preaching circuit all their lives. No, no. Translocal ministry based in local church. Antioch sends them out. They come back to Antioch. On arriving there, they gathered the church together. Isn't that amazing? Paul and Barnabas, two amazing gifts. What do they do? They get sent to the Spirit out for 18 months. They come back. There's still a church there. We need to build our churches that way. We're not the center of the church. Christ is. And so we don't build the church dependent on us. Our hands are open and we build this church away from ourselves into Christ and every person uh, functioning as they should. And then they report all that God had done through them, how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. In other words, they were part of local church. And they shared the news that God had done amazing things and the door the gospel, the door of faith had been opened to the Gentiles. So there we have a, a little look. You read through the book of Acts. I tell you, go through it carefully now with different lenses on and see translocal ministry team, translocal ministry gifts, partnering with the translocal. Absolutely vital. It's like a, a vein of life and truth that runs through all of the narrative of what took place in the book of Acts. It's very important that we work through this. And so, let's try and summarize that. Translocal team, based in local church, accountable to that eldership team, sent from and returned to that local church. There we have it. There is no kind of administrative um, center, uh, you know, where all the, the big gifts are, and then they go from there. No, every one of the team with NCMI in a local church and operate from a local church. Translocal team is made of these ascension gifts of uh, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and pastor. Uh, and we see that churches partnered with Paul and his team, churches that he planted and some that he never planted with, like the church at Rome. Um, the fact remains that every single church needs to partner with translocal team. Why? They focus us on the king and the kingdom. Why? They help us attain unity, maturity, and effective ministry from Ephesians. They help us build New Testament foundations. They open us to a world vision of 
what needs to take place. Uh, and they keep us outwardly focused. Why? They enable us to partner with churches around the world. We have relationships today with churches in other countries because of this. And we've had the privilege of sending uh, uh, gifts there, people there, money there, sending uh, and planting as well into those countries. Why do we need these, uh, this relationship? They provide spiritual covering and authority. Why? They help raise leaders and ordain elders. Why? They help us become a resource church. They help us understand that God has got us here so that He can send out our best. And then they help us develop translocal gifts in our local church. And so <clears throat> let's go on to part two and look at the apostolic purpose of the church. This will be a quick session uh, and then we'll kind of have a look at a few other things on how to partner with the translocal team. I want to encourage you to you know, go over those scriptures about local church and uh, our understanding from Scripture of this church that Jesus is building um, and, you know, ensure that some of those truths uh, begin to become revelation for you because you want to go out and plant the church that Jesus is building. Now we come to part two and we look at the apostolic purpose of the church. You know, I know you're keen and you're eager. You've got some thoughts in your head. Maybe you've even jotted down some ideas about the church you're going to plant. You know, there's certain emphases, perhaps the church you come from never had, but, you know, you're more of a worship guy or you're more of a kind of carer and your church is going to have a lot of compassionate ministry in it. Uh, man, your church is going to plant churches like never before. And there's all kinds of ideas running around in your head. I want to encourage you from Scripture, and that's what I'm going to attempt to do now, is give you a, a teaching on the apostolic purpose of church. So this is the big picture understanding of local church. Every local church should be busy with this. And from being busy with this, uh, we're going to be able to establish our local church. The first thing we see is it is our job to prepare a bride for the bridegroom. And so in Ephesians, I mean in Revelation, we have this picture of the church, every tribe, every nation, and every language. And so, of course, um, you know, our local church may be expressive of some of that, but we want to be busy with all of that. We don't want to limit it. Remember the Jerusalem church? They limited it to their language, to their culture, to their religious system. Now, we want to be available to take this gospel out from Jerusalem to Samaria, uh, to Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world. That's going to be us. And the job is to see a bride without spot or blemish. The Spirit of God has been given to us. And, and it's like the Spirit of God is, has a ministry of preparing the bride. And so we keep in step with Him and we help see this bride prepared so that she's ready for the return of Jesus Christ. The big question is, how do we do that? That sounds like, you know, incredibly theoretical. It's a beautiful picture. Second coming of Christ, his bride is ready. There's this great feast that we're going to have with him. And then who knows what he's prepared for us. Okay, how do we do that? It's to disciple the nations. Matthew 28, disciple the nations. Why do we disciple the nations? Because of the great command. See, the discipling the nations, great commission. Great command is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and to love our neighbor and to love 
the world like he does. Okay, so because of our love for God and people, we want to disciple the nations. And we know the word nations there is ethnic groups. It's, it's actually not looking at political borders and boundaries. It's talking about ethnos, ethnic groups. And so the fact that there are groups out there, there are ethnic groups that don't know Jesus Christ motivates us. And so we start with our city and nation and we work out to everywhere that God will lead us. And I tell you, open your heart and you will find through our partnership, through your partnership with the translocal team, God will begin to expand our vision. I remember in the early days of church planters training, uh, we had a couple from the Eastern Cape kind of come and do church planters training with the team. And we're kind of going around the circle asking them, you know, where are you going? And they said, God has called us to go to Mongolia. Man, we were happy because, uh, you know, often we think God's going to send you to where you don't want to go. But here was this couple and it made, I think it took them 10, 15 years. They established a base church in Mongolia. Most of us don't even have an idea where Mongolia is. We have no idea of the culture of Mongolia. But here it is. That ethnic group was burned and etched into their hearts to the degree they suffered many discomforts, etc., etc., learned that local language and planted a church, which is now led by Mongolians uh, and is partnering with us. And so we start with our city. Have you got a vision to see the city that you're in discipled? Address the city with the gospel. You see, we've been given the mandate to make this gospel known, to let the city know there's a new king and his name is Jesus. And so wherever God leads you to plant, to do sites or whatever it is, let's do that. And then let's open our hearts because this nation needs to be, uh, this, the nations of the world need to be discipled. And, and the mandate is to disciple. It's not just, you know, big tent crusades and make converts. That's great, but we don't want to just do that. And that's where we come to point number three. The way and the only way to obey the Great Commission is to plant New Testament churches in every town, every village, and every city. And so, Point number three is how do we disciple the nations? We plant New Testament churches. You're listening to this because you're responding to the biblical call. This is an NCMI's call. This isn't your local church's opinion. This is the apostolic purpose of the church. It's interesting in the world today, not many local churches plant churches because it is local churches. Antioch planted churches. Uh, from Ephesus, they planted churches. Uh, a lot of times, you know, churches have established parachurch groups, and from that they plant churches. That's great. But local churches plant churches. And so the way we obey the Great Commission is we see our sons and daughters raised up to go into the nations of this world and to plant in every town, village, and city. And we carry on doing that until Jesus comes back. The mandate is this gospel's got to go out. And so, for us as well, New Testament church means every church matures as a base church at various levels of anointing and responsibility. Always resourcing, always planting. Some churches have been called by God to plant out every single year. Some churches in five years, if they plant a church, will be an incredible feat. But it's not, you see, base church is not about numbers, not about size, it's not about money in the bank or any of that. 
It's about heart. A New Testament church for me is a church that resources and at various levels to which God will cause you, call you. Right, so how do we plant New Testament churches? We raise up leaders. So when, what, when God wants to do anything, He doesn't start a project. He calls leaders. And that's how it is in this local church. The one that I'm part of is we want to hear somebody called of God to plant a church. It's not like we have got a plan in the city, or we've got a plan for Cape Town, or we've got a plan for Hamilton, or we've got a plan for some city or some country. No, we might mention that it would be good to see churches planted there. But God, as we see in Scripture, will call a leader, call Moses to set the people free, call David to become uh, that royal, uh, incredibly servant-hearted king that he was. He'll call Isaiah to prophesy, and so he'll call leaders. That's why I said earlier on that it's important that you are called. It is so important that you are called as a leader. And so... For me, I think many times we hampered in this process because there aren't leaders. And a lot of times when you work with local church, they'll say to you, you know, well, we'd love to do something, but we don't have the leaders. So I would encourage you right at the beginning of your church plant, establish a good leadership uh, doctrine and way of raising up leaders. So we do the three R's. We recognize, we raise, and we release leaders. And every church should be busy with that. Um, it is said that the kind of leaders you're going to release today is going to determine how effective you're going to be into the future and how much of a future you're going to have. So we're not just raising them for the kind of things we need to do today. We're raising them so that they can plant and they can take this church into the future of where we're called. So we raise skillful, capable, effective leaders who qualify with heart. We qualify with heart, not skill. We risk with youth, but not with character. And so I encourage you, ensure as you kind of move into this church plant that you have got a biblical uh, understanding of leadership. So how do we raise up leaders? Uh, how do we get that done? Is we release the priesthood. Uh, Galatians 5 verse 1 said, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage, but stand firm in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. See, there's a freedom that we've come into as we become born again. And it's amazing how churches and leaders can kind of keep people bound, uh, keep people subservient, you know, just see them as an audience to laugh at their sermons or, you know, as a, a, a consumer group to tithe into their causes and that. No, for us, is we want to see the priesthood released. A priesthood that is serving God. We want to keep them free with the Word of God. We want to see them mature. We want to see them operate. And as much as leadership is a gift we want to see developed, we want to see every other gift developed, every gift in the church. So every person, it's important to see them built up and discipled. So you need to have a good understanding of discipleship. Jesus called 12 and discipled. There were various levels of discipleship, and I want to encourage you the same way. And then, of course, if, how do we get that done? Point number six is to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. Uh, Jesus' life is summarized in Luke 19, verse 10, is he came to seek and save those who were lost. The primary purpose of every believer 
is because of what we've received, because of the freedom and our understanding of this gospel and how it's changed and transformed us as we do the same. Jesus said, come follow me, I will make you. What? What will he make us? Fishers of men. So Christ's making us fishers of men. We need to get on board with what he's doing. And so every church, it's about the lost. It's about trusting God for ways to see them come in and born again, teaching every believer to do that. A great culture of invitation built in to our church right from the beginning. And so for me, those kind of six pillars are very important that we build our churches that way. So in conclusion, I want to help us with apostolic partnering. There are extensive notes around this, uh, and I want to recommend that you go through it in more detail than I'm going to handle now. So we've looked at how local church fits together. We've looked at translocal ministry, uh, and we've, you know, we've had a good look at the purpose of every local church, the apostolic purpose. Now we, we need to talk about partnering, and I'm going to go through this teaching very quickly. You'll find the rest in the notes. Um, you know, this is something we preach when we you know, try and help those who want to partner, partner, because there very definitely is a partnership commitment uh, that is important from both sides. We do this with eyes open. We do this understanding this is God's way of building local church. Uh, this is God's way of, you know, seeing his purpose go forward. Uh, and so this is not just a matter of signing a form somewhere, you know, subscribing to a website, reading a book. No, this is a relationship. And so we develop a relationship with the translocal team, not through a theory, but through individuals. And so we connect with them. And uh, we want to know some more detail about that. Speak to some of us and we'll help you. We'll connect you with guys in your region uh, so that you can develop these relationships. And through that, we work these things out. So the first thing we need to do is recognize um, that this is a biblical value. And we've got to recognize apostolic ministry, apostolic gifts. That's why I read those two passages of Scripture out so that we would understand it. You know, God doesn't want us to be um, those that are easily swayed and influenced and taken captive by, you know, uh, systems that have, that have got kind of ulterior motives. Now, we need to recognize that apostolic ministry is God's way of doing things. And we need to, in that team, See, our team is New Covenant Ministries International. Tyron and Nicole Daniel lead that team. Any team has got a leader. And so we've got to recognize this is the team God wants me to build with uh, and to plant with. And then on that team, I've got to recognize gifts that I'm going to build with. There might be one or two initially. Eventually, there's different gifts I'm going to call in as I get to know them. Uh, over the seasons, I also might change. And, and Maybe my go-to or the anchor for us is going to be this guy, but into the future it could be somebody. But we need to recognize that. Very important. We need to recognize the need for apostolic partnership. And we need to recognize that the context, they're not going to come there and tell you how to paint a building. You can ask them that. For me, that's something you can sort out yourself. It's about the gospel. We want to see this gospel celebrated and taught. Our believers matured in it. And then we want to take this gospel out. Second thing about this apostolic partnership, it's relationships. So this is the value that the devil attacks. And eventually we can say we partner with NCMI and there's no relationship that we have. 
So you can't say you partner if there's no relationship. And so by relationships, we mean covenantal relationships. We committed, submitted, we serving, we preserving. We preserve this relationship. We, we guard this relationship. If there's anything that will be attacked into the future, it's relationships. Number three, revelation. Revelation, unity in the spirit, unity of the faith from Ephesians 4, uh, but diversity and gifting in grace. And so we, through our partnership, must contend for our biblical values. So we contend for the value of translocal ministry, translocal team. We contend for the value of apostolic purpose for the local church. And so these are not laws, these values, but we contend for them. And so if we lose the heart of what we do, we lose everything that we are. So the heart behind it, it must be revelation. I'm going to hear teaching. I'm going to be exposed. I'm going to be able to download messages off the NCMI website. But it's got to become revelation for us to teach our people. Eldership governed and not hierarchical. Uh, a leadership models in our church. So there's a whole lot of revelation I've got to grow in. All based in the Word of God. And then, because of this partnership, resources without reservation. We're all in. What's yours, what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. There's this wonderful sharing of our resources. This church is open to be used. Use it. I want to serve. Uh, um, and then at the same time, the team are there to open the world to us, to show us you know, how we can extend what God has called us to do. So what do we share? Share our time. If we have meetings in your area and you don't go to those meetings, that's not partnership. You don't kind of, oh, well, I'll pick that one because I like that speaker. I'll pick that one because I like that topic. Oh, that one's too inconvenient. It's too far to travel to. That's absolute rubbish. Because for me, if we're, gonna sh if we're in, we're going to share our time. We're, we're going to make an effort to be at those meetings. Notice, we don't advertise speakers. Why? Because we come together to hear God, and we believe God can use anybody on the day to speak, and He will anoint those men and women for the job. We share our treasures. So we give in to the ministry fund for the sake of what God has called us to do. And through our partnership, we resource others. In this local church, we resource other Ephesians for gifts to enable them. We, we uh, share our trophies, our victories. We want to share them. We, you know, we kind of want to share our talents. Uh, they're men and women. Remember, Paul went to Lystra, found Timothy. That church was a base church. It sent Timothy out with Paul. And then two more, responsibility. Collectively, we take ownership of our mission, our mandate, our ministry, and our message. We guard those. So that mission, I take responsibility. We can't say our vision is to know Christ and to make Him known, and then we preach another thing in our local church. No, we commit it. There's a mandate we got. There's a ministry that we committed to. There's a message. And so, you know, we will meet as elders after a translocal gift has chatted to us and taught us, and we'll discuss what has God said to us, and we'll be responsible for that. And then last, reward. We all share in the blessing. You know, um, one of the churches we partner with, they work into northeast uh, Nigeria where Boko Haram has kidnapped all those girls. They, they got pastors right there, churches they work with, where they're helping some of those families kind of deal with those issues. We never went there, but we share in the reward of knowing that the gospel goes there. I never went to Mongolia, but we share in the reward. We pray for them. 
Our prayer meetings are always praying for churches, praying for the nations. Uh, and it's important to understand that, you know, we're all sharing the, in, in this gospel, going out in power. And also in our local churches, the reward. Paul comes back and says, God's opened a door of effective ministry to the Gentiles. I remember getting up at Cornerstone and saying, God has opened up an effective door of ministry to Portugal. And we rejoiced in what God was doing because there were doors open. And so there's incredible reward in doing this. So I encourage you, build your, the church Jesus is building. Understand the apostolic identity and purpose of every church. And then make real this apostolic partnership. Thank you.